What culture is not, it's not a ping pong table. It's not a beer fridge. It's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. Those things are great. And I think they have their time and place, but that's not what makes a culture. It's not, hey, uh, we order in pizza every night. Well, why do you order in pizza? Well, because your employees are staying late and don't have any work-life balance. But this younger generation, I commend them on they want work-life balance. It, it's, it's not about money. They, and it's probably because they've watched their parents work themselves to death to be at a baseball game and get a phone call from work and have to leave the game early or whatever it is. This generation doesn't want that. They want good work. They want to be challenged at work, but then they also want to be able to shut it off. You're listening to the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast, a show where we invite leaders to have courageous conversations about the journey of leadership, work, and culture. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast. We are so excited to be with you today and to bring to you another uh, founder and leader of an organization that are doing some incredible things on their own leadership and cultural journey. So this is uh, Dr. Amber Selking, Vice President of Leadership and Cultural Development here at Lippert Components. You know, again, we got on our own cultural journey about eight years ago and have just seen what an incredible impact it's had on our people, on our business, and how we're able to make a positive impact in this world. And so the Academy is all about coming alongside of individuals, leaders, teams, organizations, who are on their own leadership and cultural journey um, to be able to educate, to equip, to empower, uh, to inspire, and to, to consult, speak, train, all that fun stuff. And so if there's anything that we can do to, to come alongside of you, please don't hesitate to reach out, academy at lci1.com. But enough of that, let's, let's jump into to our next guest. Today, we're going to talk with John Franco, thinker and founder at Gorilla76. John, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you. So thinker and founder at Gorilla76. So again, that, that's what? Five words, and I have a lot of questions. First and foremost, what is Gorilla76? Talk about a cool name for a company. And then thinker, as the lead-in for your title, talk to us about what that means and, and how that's a part of your own culture there. Yeah. So Gorilla76, we're an industrial marketing agency. We started in 2006 part-time freelance business, my business partner and I. And in 2008, we took it full-time, started like, you know, got a water cooler, a coffee machine, an office space, the, the <laughs> whole works. But, but we help mid-sized B2B manufacturers identify, attract, engage, and drive sales opportunities with ideal fit clients. In terms of, you asked about Thinker in front of my title, that, that's something that all of our employees have. And it's, it's kind of a concept. It, it, it kind of came as, as kind of a joke, not a joke, by any, a joke's the wrong word, but it kind of came as just like that Joe and I were, were creative guys and that was our background. And we we're like, well, we don't just want to have regular business titles. So um, let, let's, let's add something a little different. But, but Thinker comes from the idea that we ask all of our employees to be thinkers first. Yes, we all need to be able to do and to be able to execute. But at the end of the day, like our clients are hiring us for our brains. And so we have to be able to use them. Um, so that's where the thinker comes. And it's always first in the title. Yeah, I love that. And, and words are so important, right? On anybody's cultural journey, words matter. And words are such a, a powerful opportunity, I think, for us to really capture the minds and the hearts of people around us. You know, the brain, um, my background's in human performance psychology, and so the brain likes novelty. And when you hear typical titles of typical organizations, it doesn't stimulate any additional thought. But when you hear thinker and founder, you're like, wait a second, 
that's different. Let me inquire more. Let me learn more. Let me get excited. And it's that element of novelty that sparks interest. And as humans, like that's how we're wired, you know, to to live and to thrive as people and as professionals. I'm curious where the title Gorilla 76 came from. Give us some background on that and, and the meaning behind those those words and numbers, I suppose. That that's a very common question and, and, and we get it all the time. And and I always feel like my response is a little bit of a letdown, but basically gorilla comes from gorilla spelled the other way, like in gorilla marketing or gorilla warfare. Um, a lot of the work we were doing when we first started was a lot of non-traditional, very low budget work for, for small companies, small businesses. I mean, we were doing this as a freelance business on the side. Now, we didn't spell it G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A because we didn't want to be that literal. And we also, there was something very powerful, um, something very intelligent, something very interesting about the gorilla, the animal. The 76 comes from the 7th month, July of 2006, which is when we first started. And that we were sitting on the, the back porch of someone who was, was a very close advisor and still is to this day. And and I remember she she basically saying, like, you guys are doing this work for fun. Like, why don't you start getting paid for it? Why don't, why don't you create a little LLC and, and turn this into a business? So that that's kind of how the, the whole process started. Man, that's awesome. And that's not a letdown. I, I love that, you know, you let you let your creativity lead you to it. And I think on our leadership journeys in general, um, it's about just taking one step at a time and allowing that to evolve into something neat and something special. And that's certainly reflected, you know, just in the, in the name of your company. You mentioned something there that I think is really important for us as leaders. And it's this element of, of mentorship, of advisorship. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, I, I'm, you know, young in my own career journey, if you will. And I think that one of the biggest blessings of my life is to be had to, to have had just sage mentors and advisors in my life that are willing to tell me the truth and give me feedback and give me ideas and challenge me to really organize and orchestrate something unique. And I'm curious from your perspective, what do you find the value of mentors? You know, again, you're a founder of a company, you're oh. the CEO of a company. What are, what's the value of mentorship as a leader? It, it, it's honestly everything to me. I, I, I think about even in my personal life, from advice, I, I like to duck hunt. Um, so from advice on on hunting gear I need to my personal life in terms of dating to everything, I mean, I feel like I'm always seeking out an opinion. And I don't want to say validation because that's the wrong word. But, but, but yeah, mentorship, someone who has been there before to help me in the journey. I, I remember I had a, a, a college professor that, that it was a huge influence on on me and, and his philosophy kind of on mentorship and just seeking out the opinions of others, at least when it came to copywriting, because that was my background as a copywriter. And he used to always say, you know, if if eight or nine people at a party tell you that you, you've had too much to drink and you probably shouldn't drive home, you've probably had too much to drink and you shouldn't drive home. There is something about, there is something very important, whether it's the like creative feedback to getting feedback on anything that listening to your circle, if you've surrounded, if you've taken the time to surround yourself with the right people, that it would be completely foolish not to listen to these people. I mean, there, there are people who have been there before who you have chosen to trust. And we can't always, I think, to we get so close to things sometimes, it's really hard for us to be objective at times. So I think that's why from mentorship just to, just to valuing and listening to the opinions of others, it's incredibly, incredibly important. 
Yeah, there's wisdom in counsel for sure. And, and I think that there's, there comes a time too where you got to make sure you got the right mentors in your life, that you're getting the right oh. advice and, and guidance on that. And I love that you said, you know, it's, it's in every aspect of your life. I actually, I had the opportunity to spend some time down with the Pittsburgh Pirates several years ago during their spring training with their mental conditioning coaches. And there was an activity that they would have their players do called Knights of the Round Table. And they would literally have a round table drawn on a circle and there were these different seats at the table and they were everything from, you know, baseball to life after baseball to spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, relational, you know, seats at those table. And, and the challenge that the guys had to, to do is write down who's your knight at that, ta- at that seat in oh, your round cool. table. Yeah. And if you don't have somebody filling the seat, right, we need to, we need to find some counsel to put around your table. I love that. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm writing this idea down. I love it. I know this is my favorite part about doing these doing these uh, interviews. Is I'm constantly learning as well and exchanging ideas. And that whole iron sharpens iron thing is exciting uh, when you get just fun fun minds that have a desire to make a positive impact. You know, in the work yep. that we're doing. Um, so again, yeah, that, that mentorship, I had one of my, you, you mentioned one of your college professors, one of mine, he always used to say, Amber, my job's to help you get to your future faster. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, and, and that is the value of mentorship. You, you mentioned that people have learned a lot, you know, they've made a lot of mistakes. They've had a lot of successes. How, how can we in our leadership journey, take those insights and apply them to who we are first and foremost as men and women. And then, you know, secondly, to the, the work that we do. Absolutely. John, talk to us a little bit. How would you descri- describe and define the culture at Gorilla 76? You know, that, that is a great question. And, and my role is directly kind of overseeing culture. So I probably should have a elevator pitch for what our, what our culture is. I, I don't admittedly, but, you know, I think- You're in marketing. You're built for this. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I'm writing this down too. It's something I need to do. But, but no, I mean, when it comes to our culture, I think we have, so our core values are results, improvement, relationships, and kindness. Hmm. And I think those four things are exactly how I would describe our culture. Uh, we are results driven. That is, that, is, that, is, that is the number one thing that we have to do. At the end of the day, if we're not driving results for our clients, they, they shouldn't they shouldn't hire us. We're a group of people that is con- that are are constantly trying to get better. That's where improvement comes in. And I mean, the if you saw in our Slack channel the the discussion around what people are reading, what people are watching, the podcasts they're listening to, it's it's pretty astounding. And then relationships and kindness. It, at the end of the day, I, I I always say, and I'll 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 kind of I'll avoid saying the explicit word here, but we don't hire a-holes. Like I just, I can't do it. I, I don't want to do it. It's, it's part of the reason I wanted to start my own business. I wanted to be surrounded by people that were going to help me grow and hopefully I could help them grow in return. So in terms of our culture, I, I think it's, it's those four things. It's, it's built on those four pillars, results, improvement, relationships, and kindness. And if somebody doesn't fit into that, A, I mean, we've built our hiring process so that hopefully we only hire people that fit into that. But if somebody slips through the cracks, we're going to notice it pretty quickly. And, and it's okay. It's not everyone is built for us and we're not built for everyone. And we, we, we're very careful about protecting, protecting those four pillars, I guess. I hope that answers your question in a very roundabout way. 
No, it absolutely does. And, and you know what I love about it, John, is that a lot of people, I mean, when you start talking culture, it's such a big concept that I think it's overwhelming for people. And they're always like, I don't even know where to start, right? And and I think you hit it on the head. Where we started, where, where it sounds like one of the places you started and where we start with a lot of our clients through the academy is hey, what are your core values? And I think really clarifying those, it allows you to construct your culture around that, right? It it allows you to take core values and translate them into tangible behaviors and actions that replicate those values and make them live and breathe on a daily basis versus just being a plaque on the wall, right? Totally. And what, what culture is not, and I have learned this the hard way, it's not a ping pong table. It's not a beer fridge. It's not, I mean- Don't get me wrong. Those things are great. And I think they have their time and place, but that's not what makes a culture. It's, it's not, Hey, uh, we order in pizza every night. Well, why do you order in pizza? Well, because your employees are staying late and don't have any work-life balance. Like this generation, uh, the the younger generation that that we often hire, not, not always, but, but to date, that's been basically what we can afford. If I'm being honest, it's, it's a lot of entry level people. Now we're growing, we're getting some people with more experience, but but this younger generation, I commend them on, they want work-life balance. It, it's, it's not about money. They, and it's probably because they've watched their parents work themselves to death to be at a baseball game and get a phone call from work and have to leave the game early or whatever it is. This generation doesn't want that. They want, they want good work. They want to be challenged at work, but then they also want to be able to shut it off. So I think that has been something we've really tried to listen to. And yeah, the, the stuff that makes it, if you do have to stay late at work a little better, that's fine, but you can't build your culture on that. Yeah, hundred percent. I heard Simon Sinek give a t- good talk one time about how like, you know, people, people were told, oh, this is what culture is. It's, it's the pizza, it's the beanbags, it's the, you know, yeah. ping pong tables and beer fridge and all these things. And then guess what? People got into work and they had all of those things and they still weren't happy. Right? So, right. so clearly these external drivers and reinforcers only go so far before, you know, guess what? There needs to be something deeper, something more meaningful that people are able to be a part of and put their hand to and their heart to and their mind to for it to actually be fulfilling. And it's our job as leaders, like people don't know what they don't know. And so to just, you know, throw external rewards and, and stuff at people um, without really creating a culture and environment where people can live and thrive and find a sense of purpose and a sense of passion and a sense of performance, right? Getting great at their craft and then, you know, making sure that we're building a business that honors people's, you know, whole life and not just their professional life, I think is a critical challenge for us as leaders to, to really encapsulate. I, I want to dig a little bit deeper too into your hiring practices because I, I think a lot of times leaders can over overlook the importance of that. Um, You know, one of the most important decisions a leader can make is who they're going to let on their team. And, you know, for us to be gatekeepers and protectors of our team and the culture that we have, that starts with hiring. You know, our CEO, I was in an interview with him earlier this week, you know, he made the statement of one of the biggest, one of the biggest pitfalls I see in leaders is they let somebody else do the hiring for their teams. And I'm like, this is the most important decision you can make. And if we select on the right criteria, I mean, man, what a, what a runway we have. Can you talk to us about what hiring means to you and maybe even share some of your practices, like tangible things that maybe leaders could wrap their heads around as they prove for themselves? I will be the first to admit that I was the guy that I would hear the term HR, human resources or whatever, and I would roll my eyes. Like I didn't have an appreciation for it. I couldn't have been more wrong. The people 
my, my business partner focuses more on the business. I focus more on the people. It's a 50-50 split in terms of importance. If anything, I'll argue that maybe the people are 60, it's 60 and the new business is 40 because at the end of the day, you just can't do the work if you don't have people. You're not going to win the work if you don't have good people. You're not going to you're not going to have a good your clients are going to work want to work with you if they're constantly seeing turnover. So, getting those people right is is so important and and I just I just list, I, I do a ton of running. So I listen to a lot of audio books. I try to read when I'm not running like actual hard copies, but Jack Welch's book, Winning. I don't know if you've read that, but it's, it's phenomenal. And he makes a very, very hard argument that your HR person should be at the same level as anyone else in your C level. So for leaders out there who are listening, it's fine if you can't afford to have a, a chief people officer or what, whatever it is, but at least listen to that HR department like you would your CFO or your COO or whoever. You know, in terms of our process, it's, it's a pretty thorough process. I've done a lot of, I've hidden a lot of little, and, and I, I hate saying this because it, maybe it even sounds like I'm trying to be sneaky, but I put a lot of traps in there for people to kind of screw up. I always ask that they call me at a certain time. And guess what? If they're three minutes late, it's not going to work because if they call my client three minutes late, we're going to have a problem. I, I kind of set them up to see how they can write because I don't care what role you're in, at least in my industry, we're in, we're in professional services. It's different for different roles, obviously. But I have a group of people that are communicating often with clients in written format. And if I get, if I see emails that are coming through with, you know, just setting up that meeting time, but there's poor punctuation, poor grammar, poor, those are red, red flags to me. Um, and yeah, I get it. Some people are like, oh, I'm just going to answer this message quickly on my mobile phone and I'm not going to worry about that. But again, the clients, if they're going to be exposed to my clients, the clients are looking for those things. I have a, a, a series of interview questions. I, I obviously walk them through, but all of them are rooted in our core values. Those are the things I'm constantly looking for. I actually, me personally, I don't really even pay attention to if they can do the job or not. I rely on my team for that sort of kind of evaluation. I mean, yeah, obviously I can tell if somebody can, can do some strong design or if they're just not a designer and they think they are, but I can, I can weed that out. But I am looking for cultural fit because we have had people at Gorilla that are not a cultural fit. And we use a software called Office Vibe, which is fantastic. And it, is a, it constantly monitors employee happiness, satisfaction, wellness, how they feel in all these categories. And when I have had the wrong people in the wrong seats, those scores crash. And whenever we address them, those scores explode again. So it's so important. Yeah, I, you know, I operate by a loose framework of character competence and cultural fit, you know, in terms of how a person can do the job, be a part of the team. And, and really, you know, that interview guide of what are the things within character? I mean, if you if you don't have a person that you can trust that, you know, is a hard worker that has high standards, you know, to, to what you, you know, those little call me at a certain time. Uh, yeah. analyzing their punctuation like that's all that to me a lot of that comes down to character you know how much pride they have and and what they do and how they show up moment by moment um, right. and then competence can they do the job right like you said you have your team assess that and i 100 percent lean on that as well and then that cultural fit is so critical and all three of those c's are important to hit on and if you hit 10 out of 10 you know i come from the mcdonald's world i grew up in the mcdonald's franchise business and they had a concept called the three-legged stool 
which was about, you know, in McDonald's, the three-legged stool of the corporate office, our franchisees and our suppliers. You know, if, if any one of those three legs on a stool are out of whack, the stool yep. doesn't stand up properly. And, and I sort of think of the three C's of hiring of that like three-legged stool. And so I love hearing that laced within everything that you're speaking as well. And again, just a challenge to our listeners, what are your hiring practices? And are you involved in them? And are you intentional about really selecting for people that can do the job and can be that cultural fit that can help take your team to another level? Totally, totally agree with you. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the view or mission of Lippert Components, Inc. Thanks to Eternity Bro for our theme music and to Michael Yoder and the amazing team over at Truthwork Media. Thanks for listening.